died, leaving no offspring. In the third, likewise, none of the seven left offspring. Last of all, the woman died too. In the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? Since the seven had married her. So there are two groups of religious people that we meet in today's passage. The first group that we meet are the Sadducees. The group probably had their origins during the Hasmonean period, which was from 166 to 63 BC. And their demise occurred around AD 70 with the fall of Jerusalem. So about the same time that almost all of the Jerusalem started to see their demise. That's when Jerusalem collapsed. So this group was characterized by eight distinct beliefs. Eight distinct beliefs. So the first is they denied that the oral law was authoritative and binding. Saying a lot more literally than did the Pharisees, who are going to talk more about that when we get to the third part of today's passage. Right, so, let me get into that third part. So, I don't know anything about Pharisees, we're just a man. The third thing is they were very exacting in Levitical purity. The fourth distinct belief was they attributed all to free will. There is neither resurrection of the dead nor a future life. Number six, they rejected a belief in angels and demons. Number seven, they rejected the idea of a spiritual world. And lastly, only the books of Moses were considered to be canonical scripture. So now we're going to look at this. So the Sadducees approach Jesus. about the burning bush, how God 
said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. So Jesus declared here that the afterlife, the afterlife will be different from life on earth. He also said that in heaven people will not marry or be given in marriage. Which does not mean that a husband and wife will lose their particular identity or husband or a wife lose their particular identity or not recognize each other. Rather the relationship with earthly partners will be a deeper spiritual one, no longer governed by the marriage unions people had on earth. Had on earth. And by going by the book of Moses, specifically Exodus 3, in the passage about the passage about the burning bush, Jesus used part of the Old Testament, the Sadducees recognized as scripture, as scripture to prove that there is a resurrection and an afterlife. And more importantly, that it will be as we know it. Remember the whole point of this Old Testament quotation is that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were long dead by the time God spoke to Moses. But God declared that he was their God. He was their God. And since God is not the God of the dead, but of the living, they must still be alive. The only way they could be alive if there is a resurrection and if there is an afterlife. Hmm. So in this next section, in this next section, right, so we see three encounters. We see one of the three encounters with the scribes who are essentially an offshoot of the Pharisees. So the Pharisees were the religious leaders who were also lawyers described or just lawyers who weren't religious leaders. So the roots of the Pharisees can be traced back to the second century BC and they were characterized by seven distinct things. So the first thing is along with the equally inspired and authoritative all material contained within the oral tradition. Now the second thing is on free will and determination. They held to a mediating view or a middling view that made it impossible for either free will or the sovereignty of God to cancel each other out. The third thing is it develop hierarchy of angels and demons. Remember the Sadducees didn't accept anything. They didn't they said there were no angels or no demons. The fourth thing is they taught there was a future for the dead. So remember the Sadducees said there is afterlife. The fifth thing is they believe in the immortality of the soul in reward and retribution after death. So the Sadducees believed 
there was no resurrection. And if there is no resurrection, there is no heaven and there is no hell. <coughs> and the sixth thing is they were champions of human equality. We don't really see that in the scripture, but that is kind of sort of true. Number seven. And the seventh and final thing is the emphasis of their teaching was ethical rather than theological. So they were more interested in teaching about ethics than they were about teaching and teaching about theology. So now we come to this third section of today's passage, which goes from verse 20, verses 28 through verse 31, which says, One of the scribes approached when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well. He asked them, Which command is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Of the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater command than these. So, the phrase one of the scribes may indicate, quite possibly does indicate, that others were standing by ready to challenge Jesus. So this is also the first time in the temple that an individual approached Jesus rather than a group. So this lone scribe wanted to know which command was most important because you see the rabbis had counted 613 commandments in the book of Moses and they had further classified 365 of them as prohibitions and 248 of them as commands. They further divided the commandments into weightier and lesser, weightier and lesser, or lost as it's said in Matthew 5 19. Jesus answered this question that the scribe gave him by quoting the Shema, which is found in Deuteronomy 6, 4-5, which is a scripture passage that pious Jews recited every morning and evening. The words affirm monotheistic orthodoxy, so those words were the Lord is one. They identified the primary affection with which, pe with which people were to relate to God, love, and emphasized the necessity to do so with one's total being. So we're to do it with the heart or your affections. You're to do it with your soul or your spirit. You're to do it with your mind or your intelligence. And you're to do it with your strength. Or your will. For you see, the scribe only asked Jesus for one commandment. But Jesus instead gave him two. So you see, love for your neighbors is rooted in love for God, which is the first commandment. And no one before Jesus said can bind these two commandments, which are found in Leviticus 19 18. 
18 and Deuteronomy 6 5, respectively. Respectively. But this combination would become standard practice for Jesus' followers in the years and decades to come. So now we come to these last three verses in today's passing, right? And they say, and the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one, and there is no one else except him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to question him any longer. So Mark is the only gospel writer, the only gospel writer, to record the scribe's response and Jesus' praise to that response. So the scribe saw that the love of Jesus, the love Jesus spoke of, is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. More important than the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. And Jesus told this scribe that he had answered wisely. He had answered wisely. And more importantly, he has said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Because this young man, like so many of us, understood that love was the most important commandment. But he still felt deep within his heart that the way that you showed God you loved him was by trying to live a perfect life. By trying to live a perfect life. And the way to live a perfect life was to follow all of God's commands. For you'll see in reality, this young man still felt that he could earn God's favor or love, rather than understand God grants his favor through his love for a person. And all that person has to do to receive God's favor is to accept God's unmerited and unearned love. And it's when you have accepted this unearned and unmerited love that you will truly be able to follow God's laws and commands. You see, Paul, the Apostle Paul summed this concept up nicely when he wrote these words to the Ephesian church. For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. In tomorrow's Bible reading by number 6 through 7. Mark 12, 38 through 13, 13, Psalm 49, 1 through 20, and Proverbs 10, 27 